Shalom Aleichem, we're exploring Lekutu Sichas of Chayi Soda slash Hanukkah, Helik Tesvah, volume 15, Lekutu Sichas. Another very special Sicha. So the discussion is that we know that Shabbos candles of Sora and Rivka, Imenu, our matriarchs, burnt all week long. And this is discussed in passing, so to speak, in today's portion, that Yitzchok mourned his mother until he met his wife, Rivka. And he felt better. He found comfort after the loss of his mother, his amazing mother, and how so? Because the Torah tells us, He brought Rivka into the tent of his mother, and Rashi interprets that he took her into the tent, and he saw that she is identical to his mother, Sarah. She has the same miracles, the three miracles that there was a cloud hovering over the tent full time. That miracle now came back for Rebecca, for Rivka. And there was a blessing in the, in the dough, Apparently that even a small amount of the challah would satiate, and that the candles for Shabbos burned from week to week, from Shabbos to Shabbos. That was a miracle by Sarah's candle, and then it returned by Rebecca, by Rivka, and that's why Yitzchak was comforted. He saw that he's got a live one. He's got another copy of his mother, Sarah. Parenthetically, the Rebbe says elsewhere that think about what this says about the greatness of the Jewish women and of the matriarchs, that in the interim, when Sarah passed away, Avram lit his candles because that's the law. If there's no woman, the man lights it. And his candle did not burn all week. Only when Rebecca, when Rivka came, did it resume. So it shows the power of the Jewish woman and uh, the in the eyes of Hashem. Says the Rebbe that uh, the Shabbos is connected to Hanukkah because it's often or always Shabbos Mavarchim of Kislev, which is when Hanukkah is. So there's connection. And we see a connection that both in Hanukkah and in this portion, we speak of a miracle of candles. Then the Rebbe goes a little deeper and the Rebbe says, let's analyze this. The Rebbe is going to want to analyze what's the novelty of the miracle of Hanukkah when we already had that miracle with the matriarchs. And presumably we don't make a holiday for every miracle that happens, only a miracle that's novel. We already had that miracle. So is Hanukkah just a repeat? I don't know that the Rebbe is asking this question as a big problem, but it's a lot sweeter if we can find in Hanukkah a total novelty, a miracle that never had a precedent, and then it makes sense to make it into a whole holiday. And here, Hanukkah oil burnt for a whole week. Guess what? The same thing happened by, by the matriarchs. So how do we deal with that? So the Rebbe begins by saying that there's two ways to analyze the miracle of Hanukkah. What really happened there? And this is going to help us see, uh, uh, deal with this issue of the novelty. And the Rebbe is going to say one way is that the miracle of Hanukkah was a quantity miracle, that they all got used up each day and then miraculously, boom, it refilled itself. And the other is the qualitative miracle, that it slowly burnt down uh, much slower. Instead of taking a day, it took eight days. And there's going to be a difference between which approach we take. Why? Because by the patri by the matriarchs, which one was it? Think about it for a second. They lit the candle on Friday and it burnt a whole week. It was clearly a qualitative miracle. Nothing refilled itself. It just burnt down much slower. Instead of taking eight hours to burn, it took 64 hours to burn, if you will, or what have you. And therefore, the miracle of the matriarchs was qualitative. If we say that Hanukkah is quantity, then we have a novelty in Hanukkah. So we've solved this riddle. So let's bring up a spreadsheet which delves us into the issues. So we have two approaches to the miracle of Hanukkah. Approach number one is that Hanukkah is quantity. 
which means, let's say for argument's sake, they filled up all seven lights, and that was all the oil they had. And after each day, presumably they empty, because there's enough oil to burn for one night. And the next morning, boom, miraculous, poof, it filled up again. Or you could say that the jug filled up again, the same difference. Quantity. And the other approach, and of course this is discussed in different commentaries and different ways, the other approach is that it was a qualitative thing. They filled up all the seven branches to the top. There was enough oil for one night, and that's it. We're done. No more oil. And the miracle is that each day, instead of going down to the bottom, it diminished by one-eighth. So the miracle was that the oil took on a different quality. It wasn't like there was a whole new quantity of oil showing up miraculously. It was a more subtle miracle, let's say, that the oil took on a different quality, that it burnt now for eight days instead of one. Alternatively, that they, to begin with, didn't put in the full thing, but rather they divided it into eight parts, and each day it burnt a whole night. Either way, it's the same difference. So these are the two approaches, and like I said, much of this is discussed in commentary. Says the Rebbe, let's analyze this, as we already said here, that uh, the first question is, is there a novelty? Question A, is there a novelty in the Hanukkah miracle over the matriarch's miracle? So if you say that Hanukkah is a quantity miracle, the, the, the seven branches emptied, and then boom, in the morning, they're full. That's a new concept. We never had that. We didn't have that in the days of the matriarchs. Conversely, if you say approach two, that by Hanukkah too, it was a qualitative thing, that it just burned slower, then no, it's not a novelty. So this would sort of lead us in the direction of leaning towards approach one, so that we find the novelty in Hanukkah. But the Rebbe says that each one has, has, has another side to it. Yes, if we say the quantity, we do have the novelty in Hanukkah, but there's a problem. It's true that the matriarchs are not a precedent to that, but the oil of Elisha's miracle is, which we read in yesterday's Haftar. So there's already a precedent for the concept that oil keeps on pouring and it keeps refilling, and it's a quantitative thing. And therefore, in another way, Hanukkah is still not novel. It's not novel to the, it may be novel compared to the matriarch Shabbos candles, because here you have a quantitative a miracle where suddenly oil just reproduces. You didn't have that by the matriarchs. However, it's not really totally novel because you had it by the miracle of Elisha. So that tempers our celebration of Hanukkah and our embracing of this approach. Whereas on the other approach, it's not good either because as we said earlier, if it's a qualitative, it's completely not novel. That's exactly what happened by the matriarchs. Although over there, if we really wanted, we could say, well, in Hanukkah, it lasted eight days, but the matriarchs, it only lasted seven. But that's it's a minutia. It doesn't, it's not a different type of miracle completely. So we're really sort of uh, back to square A. Neither approach totally satisfies our desire for Hanukkah to be a totally novel miracle. So the Rebbe says, let's dig a little further and we'll find another problem with each approach. This time it's a halachic problem. Approach number one, the quantity miracle, that each day the oil emptied and then miraculously refilled. There's a halachic problem with this because the mitzvah, the Torah is to light the menorah with olive oil, not miracle oil. So if I fill up oil and it empties, and then by magic it refills, that's not oil that comes from olives. 
and you could hardly call it olive oil. It may look like olive oil, or feel like olive oil, smell like olive oil. It's not olive oil. It's godly oil. It's miraculous oil. And therefore, how is that even kosher? And we would have to come on to the explanation, which some commentaries want to say, well, it's not it's not actual oil from olives. It's presto, magical oil from Hashem. However, the magic, the miracle was that this oil should have all the qualities of olive oil. But it's not so smooth. It's still a halachic issue on the face of it because at the end of the day, Torah says that you should squeeze the oil and that's where you should get it from. This is oil that came from Hashem directly. How is that kosher? This goes in line with the whole concept that mitzvahs are supposed to be done through natural means. So that will be the halachic problem with approach one. The pro halachic problem with approach two is there's a principle that all the vessels in the temple for which through which temple service was accomplished were supposed to be filled to the top when they were being used. Any temple vessel that's fulfilling the service in the Beis Hamikdash and the Mishkan, the holy temple, needs to be full, in indicating fullness and, and blessing, which is possibly the source of the fact that there's custom by many, including in Chabad, that the Kiddush cup is full to the top based on this concept that the temple vessels are full. According to this approach number two, that the, that the seven lights were filled with oil on day one, and then it slowly, slowly went down. So then, instead of going down in one day, it went down over eight days. So then all the seven days after day one, they did the mitzvah with, with a not full vessel. And that's not kosher. That's a serious halakhic problem. I didn't put it on the screen, but there's another halakhic problem, Rabbi denotes, that the rule is you're supposed to put as much oil in there for it to suffice for the night. But it went down. There's no more oil suffice for the night. So technically, they didn't do the mitzvah. Okay. So what did the Rebbe do so far? The Rebbe explained, presented to us two approaches to the miracle of Hanukkah happened. And then the Rebbe pro presented two problems with each approach. One is a philosophical, so to speak, problem that either approach, which you're going to take, it, we don't quite see the novelty of the miracle of Hanukkah, either by comparison to the matriarch's Shabbos Lech, or by comparison to the oil of Elisha. So it, it, it takes away from the Gishmak, from the novelty of the great miracle of Hanukkah. And furthermore, we find a halachic problem with each of these approaches. So now the Rebbe is going to come and introduce approach number three, which is going to solve both. But the way it's presented in the Sikh, approach number three is presented primarily to resolve the halachic issues, because that's real issue, it's halachic. And then automatically it also resolves the issue of the novelty. Says the Rebbe, I'm going to come up with another approach. It's not a quantity or it's not a quality. Um, in each of these approaches, the Rebbe says like this, what really happened was that the oil burnt like regular oil, and yet it did not become consumed. That's what the Rebbe says. It was two opposites in one. It wasn't quantity that it just burnt normally, and then suddenly there was a miraculous thing for the next morning. Totally natural, and then suddenly, boom, miracle. It wasn't that there was a miracle in the quality of it that it went slow. No. 
it was a natural and miraculous occurrence at the same time. On the one hand, there was a natural occurrence, oil burns, but it never emptied the vessels. And why not? Because it never got consumed. Now we're students of Torah. That's not such a big shock to us. We all heard of the burning bush. Moses sees something on fire. It's burning. And it's not being consumed. That's a fire of Hashem. Says the Rebbe, this, and this is a little bit of a square circle. This is reminiscent, you see, of miracle and nature happening at the same time. Approach one and two are both miracles. Either the miracle happened in the morning when it refilled, or the miracle happened uh, it, it, that it changed its quality. Here we're saying no. Every single moment there was both a natural occurrence and a miracle. It burnt normally. And at the same time, it did not consume. This is a big principle in Chassidus, that where do you find Hashem's greatness? Not in nature necessarily, even though nature is fantastic, it's God's hand, but it shows a limitation. It has its rules. And not even in miracle, because miracle too, even though miracle shows Hashem's infinity, but it also has its limitation, namely that it can only act in an infinite way. It can break nature. The real presence of Hashem is felt in the combination of nature and miracle. Because Hashem's essence, Hashem's true infinity is not finite, and it's also not limited to infinity. He's not limited to nature, and he's even not limited to miracle. Hashem, you want to find Hashem's presence? You can find miracle and nature combined in every moment. And this is found in the Beis HaMikdash. All the miracles in the Beis HaMikdash, which is enumerated in Pirkei Avis, Ethics of Our Fathers, uh, it, it, if you take a look at them, you'll see that they are miraculous things that happen within nature. As an example, it rained, but it didn't put out the fire on the altar. Now, if you want to make a miracle, make that it shouldn't rain. The rain should go outside. It shouldn't go in the temple. That's doable. No, it's not going to be miraculous because the whole idea of the temple is it's a natural space. Hashem is dwelling in reality, in our midst, in nature. It rained, people got wet. If it rained hard, they got very wet. And yet it did not put out the flames. Another example, this is not in the Sikha, but this is brought in other places. Uh, the people would come together and they would stand squished. They couldn't move. When it came time to prostrate themselves, there was plenty of room. Now, if you want to make it miraculous that suddenly space doesn't count, you should make it that they could stand also with plenty of room. That's not what happened. It was a natural reality. The whole idea is the temple is supposed to be natural. Hashem is living in our midst, in the real world. We're a Jewish nation among nations. We're in the world. At the same time, we saw the miracle when it came time to bow. And Avu and the Kula, the greatest miracle of all, where we see this combo, is in the ark itself. The language is, the space of the ark did not take up space. That itself is a contradiction in terms. That the ark was two and a half cubits by one and a half cubits. When you stood it in the middle of the Holy of Holies, which was 10 cubits long in each direction, the room would measure 10 cubits, and it would further measure five cubits from each side of the ark to the respective wall, so that those two and a half cubits, or one and a half cubits if you're going the other way, just simply disappeared. But the beauty of this is that it wasn't like that the ark didn't take up any space. Maybe God created some miraculous rural thing that just showed up 
and it's beyond space and it just you can't quite put your finger on it no this is created by 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 people by man and it had to be measured precise if it was one millimeter off it's not kosher it's got to be exactly two and a half by one and a half so it's absolutely in the world of space and within that world it takes up no space because the whole concept is this conflict this contradiction this square circle because we're not trying to reach in a finite we're certainly not even trying to reach miracle we're trying to reach Hashem's essence where there is no rules, there's no limitation whatsoever, and that's what life is about. That's what Dira B'tachtonim is about. That's what the Beis Hamikdash is about. That's what Hashem's essence is about. And uh, that you can bring the infinity into the finite, and um, and the two go hand in hand. Says the Rebbe, and I'm, I'm just giving an application, and this is the example that Rebbe gives in the Sicha, at the space of the Aron, took up no space, and the footnote the Rebbe brings the example of the burning bush. I'm just suggesting to help us understand this just in a practical application, that all mitzvahs that we do are finite, and yet they embody the infinite. You're told to light Shabbos like 422. And what if I light it at 452? You're told to put on tefillin, it has to be exactly the four portions. Yom has to have exactly so many words and letters. And if I have a letter more or a letter less, it's a big deal. A lot of people wonder about this. You're telling me that the mezuzah, Hashem is watching my home. It's an infinite thing. It's an embodiment of, of Hashem, of divinity, of infinity. And now you're, you're getting petty about a little word, about a certain time on the clock. It, it seems completely counterintuitive. It seems completely ridiculous, which is an old argument against Judaism. Why are we bogged down with so many details when we're trying to transcend and connect to infinity? And the answer is we're not trying to connect to infinity. We're trying to connect to Hashem's essence, which is beyond the finite and the infinity equally and is only manifest in the combination of both. So again, this is my example. You have a little mezuzah with exactly a finitude amount of letters and exact all these minutiae of rules and rags. And in there, how much of the Divinity is their complete divinity. Infinity, everything. So coming back here, it says that Rebbe, this is the Rebbe's approach. Rebbe wants to suggest and recommend that this is what Hanukkah was about. Not the quantity miracle, namely that it emptied and refilled miraculously every morning. Not the quality miracle that it, it just simply took less time for it to burn down instead of eight, one day, eight days. But rather... It's sort of a combination of both. It burnt, but it never got consumed. It was completely natural. It wasn't miracle oil that refills like this. And at the same time, it never got consumed. Why, why should it? Who says that natural oil that burns have to get consumed? Hashem is in charge, just like the burning bush. It's burning. It's natural. And yet it's beyond nature completely at the same moment. It says the Rebbe, this would explain A and B. Both questions that we posed. The halachic problem. Namely, that now this is clearly olive oil. It's clearly olive oil. It's not miracle oil. Miracle oil is not kosher. For, you're not doing the mitzvah with olive oil. You're doing the mitzvah with a miracle. It's not a miracle. It's natural oil. The oil didn't go down and the next morning it just showed up. That's a miracle. That's a magic trick. That doesn't count for a mitzvah. No, it was regular oil. It was olive oil. And it burnt. And just for some reason did not get consumed. That's Hashem did that. But it remained the natural oil that it always was. Just like the ur on it. It didn't take up space, but it was completely about space. Rebbe has a whole sentence, a whole chapter in the Sikh explained that when does the urban have the infinity of beyond space? Only when it has the exact 
dimensions of space as the mitzvah prescribes. Because to, to be able to embody such infinity of, of not taking up space, it's, it's got to be an ark according to the prescription of Torah. And Torah's prescription is that it's the exact precision of space. So this is further contradiction. The lack of space, the infinity of the ark, the utter infinity of the ark is only when it's completely finite and the space measured. You can apply this. It says that about the same thing here. That, that what made the oil of Hanukkah work, that it should not become consumed and have this, not only miracle, this beyond miracle, miracle sort of within nature, that it does not get consumed only because it was being burnt, because it was acting naturally, therefore rendering it kosher oil for the mitzvah. If it's kosher oil for the mitzvah, it deserves the miracle of Hashem. If it's not, why would Hashem bother making the miracle? So here, the fact that it did not get consumed is part and parcel of the fact that it's absolutely burnt. If we can say these two things from both sides of our mouth at the same time, even though they're opposites. I'm adding in parentheses my application, which is a, something that I have a passion for as a shliach. People always questioning the 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 how could there really be potency to mitzvahs? They seem so petty with the details. No, only when you do the mitzvah, you're looking for transcendence. You're looking for God. You're looking for infinity. Good, do a mitzvah exactly to its precision, and that's where you'll get the infinity. If it's lacking any of its finitude, precision, it's no longer a mitzvah. And if it's not, there's no infinite. Only when it's finite. I lit the candles at 422. I have infinity. Did all that with every mitzvah. So this is the Rebbe's approach. The Rebbe wants to suggest that that's what happened by Hanukkah. And therefore this explains A and B. There's no halachic problem. And Hanukkah, yeah, we didn't cover this. Hanukkah is clearly a novel miracle. There was never such a miracle before. Matriarchs didn't have this. The matriarchs they had the they had the qualitative the qualitative miracle. They didn't have this thing that it was uh, burning and not burning at the same time. This is a new thing. And similarly, the, this Elisha's oil didn't have this either. Elisha's oil was a quantitative. So therefore, this is completely not. This is you might say, in a sense, one part of the sicha. And then the Rebbe flows into the next part directly, but this is sort of ends the explanation. Because the Rebbe is now going to introduce an additional amazing novelty that's introduced, that's born out of this distinction, which becomes very interesting in terms of uh, uh, the understanding of the miracles of Torah. And then it will become very interesting in terms of Avaidus Hashem and the way we look at our service. And that is this, that there's another novelty of the Rebbe's approach was the miracle of Hanukkah one miracle that happened by the beginning of the eight days, or one miracle each night, or was it one on an ongoing miracle for every moment of the entire eight days? So let's step back and look at this a second. There are different miracles in Torah. For example, the miracles of Mitzrayim, ten plagues, Kriyas Yamsuf, and there too the Rebbe discusses. This is brought in footnotes, and it's from another sicha where it's discussed in detail. And we could look at those, analyze the various miracles, and some of them we could say, it's only one miracle, some it's a bunch of constant miracles, which clearly means much more engagement by Hashem. So let's use an example. The plague of frogs. 
Moshe Rabbeinu picks up his staff, or, or Aaron, as it were, and suddenly, boom, there's a trillion frogs in Egypt. It's clearly a miracle. But then the plague of frogs lasted for an entire week. What about that rest of the week? Were all those frogs miraculous? Not necessarily, no. Frogs are a natural phenomenon. The miracle was that suddenly in one second you made them show up, but now that they're here, they're here. How is that the miraculous? It's not. The proof is at the end of the seven days when it came time to go, we needed another miracle to make them die, and then they had to bag them. There was a huge job for the sanitation department in Egypt. They had to bag all the dead frogs. If it was miraculous frogs, it should have just disappeared. They didn't. What am I saying? Am I making a mistake? Yeah. The, the, I'm just trying to recall if they if they went to the sea or if they bagged them. Um, either way, they died at the end of, of the plagues. Yeah, they didn't bag them. I'm sorry, they did bag them. They did. I was right. So the miracle of the plagues is squarely a one-time miracle. Aaron piss up his stick, boom, we have we have we have frogs. For seven days it was natural. And then again, another miracle they should die. Let's contrast that to some of the other miracles. For example, the splitting of the sea. Meshur Rabbeinu puts up his staff and he says, see, split. And it splits for a whole night. It took a whole night for the Jewish people to walk through it. All those, whatever it is, eight hours of the night. Was it one miracle that he turned the water suddenly into like stone or glass or ice? But after that first moment, it's now a natural phenomenon? Of course not. This is explained clearly in Exodus and even in the Torah itself, that Hashem was constantly pushing the wind. The whole miracle was that they walked in the water, it remained water, it didn't become ice, it didn't become brick or stone, it remained water, and water stood. So how many miracles was there? were there? Thousands. Every single split second was another miracle. For the entire night. So here we see an example of two approaches to miracles that last a span of time. An example of the frogs where it's one moment the miracle, only at the beginning, and another example, the splitting of the sea, where the miracle is ongoing. Again, this is also not in the Sikh, it's alluded to, it's hinted, it's not hinted, it's it's referenced in the footnotes to the Sikha where the Rebbe discusses this in detail in volume five. Another interesting example that's given in that Sikha is the plague of, of blood. What is that? Some people would say, well, he Aaron hit the, the sea, and in one second, the water turned to blood. And then it was blood for a whole week. At the end of the week, he said, no, go back to water. That's not what happened. The whole week, it was really water and blood together. What's the proof? If the Egyptian drank it, it was blood. If the Jew drank it, it was water. And if the Egyptian paid for it from the Jew, it became water. So we're in the drinking from the same cup. This guy's drinking blood. This guy's drinking water. So clearly, this was not... Water turned to blood, which is a great miracle, but it's a one-second miracle. It was an ongoing miracle. It was remained water and behaved like blood for an entire week. And that's why at the end of the week, they didn't have to drain the Nile from the blood and hose it down and start over. It never became blood. But the frogs, they had to bag them up. It became smelly and they had to pile them. It says in the Chumash. 
because there were frogs. There were real natural frogs who came about, albeit through a miracle, but now they were natural. And when they died, you got sanitation. In the blood, there was really never blood in the Nile. The water acted also like blood. It's similar to this concept where the miracle and nature go hand in hand, which is a greater form of miracle. And it's a miracle, therefore, which is constant. Says the Rebbe, let's apply that to us. How are we going to look at the Hanukkah miracle? How are we going to look at the Hanukkah miracle? Are we going to say it's one miracle? Or are we going to say it's many miracles? So the Rebbe says, remember, in this Zichah, we discussed three approaches. We discussed approach number one, that the miracle of Hanukkah is a quantity miracle. That each morning it's just miraculously refilled. That would be like the frogs. Then it would be one miracle. Every morning, it refilled. But 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 the fact that it uh, the fact that it burnt all night was not miraculous. It was one miracle each time. So that it was a, a miracle of quality. That the oil burnt, but it had a new quality. That it burnt much longer in a miraculous amount of time. So here too, it's still one miracle. Hashem intervened at the beginning of the week of Hanukkah and he infused in it a different nature that now it's going to burn instead of eight hours for 64 hours for argument's sake. So the Rebbe puts it like in the middle. On the one hand, it's it's one miracle, but it's felt continuously. If it just refills each morning, it's one miracle each morning. That's pretty easy. It's a second. It's an instant. If you hold this qualitative way of thinking, it is one miracle because that's what Hashem does at the beginning of Hanukkah. He infuses in it a quality of, of you know, of miraculous timing. However, the rest of the week it's natural because now this oil has an embodiment of a different nature and it just does what oil does, albeit on a miraculous schedule. So this is sort of in between. It's one miracle, but that miracle is felt continuously. You can't squarely put it in either box of saying it's either one or continuous. But if you hold it up as approach, that it was nature and miracle combined, that every single moment the oil burnt naturally, and yet it did not become consumed miraculously. And this was constant, and it remained full the whole time. It's a miracle every moment. It's akin to the blood in the Nile being water and blood at the same time. It was oil and miracle at the same time. How many miracles? Every second of Hanukkah was a miracle. And of course, this is the Rebbe's approach. The Rebbe wants to say, wants to argue that that was what Hanukkah was. It was a constant miracle. It was, which is obviously the greatest level of godly involvement. If you read the footnotes, you'll find out that the Rebbe wants to argue that uh, Elisha's oil would fit into approach one. Alicia's oil, it's one miracle. Because when you're creating quantity, it's one second, boom. The, the Shabbos licht of the matriarchs of Sarah and Rivke was, was 
quality, right? It burned slowly a whole week. Instead of burning out quickly, it lasted a whole week. So because it's it's quality, so obviously, in a sense, it's one miracle. But that miracle was felt all week. Like we said, that middle level, that middle madrega, where you feel the miracle all week, even though the miracle is only happening nominally at the beginning. The Hanukkah candles and the miracle of the base of the Hanukkah. Here the Rebbe says, that this would this the conclusion here would be that that was a continuous miracle. What did the Rebbe gain by this, other than the fact that it's fascinating, and it gives us it answers all the questions we understand the novelty of Hanukkah, we understand there's no halachic issues of the Hanukkah Benedict in the Beis Hamikdash. By introducing the fact that what that now Hanukkah is a constant miracle, and we have also the idea of these three approaches. One miracle, constant miracle, or the combo in between, the Rebbe is now going to apply this to three levels in Avedis Hashem. Personal application. In Avedis Hashem, we also have the concept of miracle and the concept of Teva of nature. The concept of miracle Avedis Hashem is when a Jew remembers his Besidah Snefesh, he remembers his Neshama. And the fact that really at the end of the day, all he is is an extension of Hashem and he wants to give over his life completely to Hashem. Or in plainer language, the idea of Kabbalah sale. He's dedicated, he's a soldier, he doesn't have to understand. He's completely dedicated, he's committed. Kabbalah sale, Machashamayim, Amen. It's it, it's it's a form of Mesidus Nefesh when a person is just dedicated without asking questions. That's a form of miracle within our personal service. What is nature within our personal service? When a person serves Hashem, and he's doing the tight and he's doing the mitzvahs and he's learning, but everything is calculated. He doesn't need this approach. He doesn't need to evoke Nefesh, to evoke some inner strength to push him, to keep him going, to overcome obstacles. He doesn't have to overcome obstacles. Everything is good. He is a, a very clear, you know, a, a, a open eyes to the situation and he understands what's right and what's wrong and he's following the path. He doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have to uh, uh, call out that miracle within his soul. So the question is, what's the right approach? Should I be serving Hashem, quote, in a miraculous way, or should I be serving Hashem in a natural way? Should my service of Hashem feel like that I am always fighting a battle and I'm Masita Snefesh and I'm totally dedicated and I'm, I'm I'm breaking nature. I don't care what my Yitzhahara says or what the world says or, or or if I understand or I don't understand. I'm just going, you know, in Hebrew, Rosh Bakir, you know, I'm just going full steam ahead without any calculations. That would be a form of miracle within the human persona. Or is it okay to serve Hashem in a calculated fashion without getting too excited, without getting too hard-headed about it, and just, you know, follow the program. Everything is good. I do things, and they're calculated. I know why I do them. I seldom have to push myself to do that, which I don't understand, because it all makes sense. Which is the right approach? So, generally speaking, the short answer is that we're supposed to start each day with the former, and then the rest of the day is okay with the latter. We start each day modani, Shema Yisrael, Ol we accept the yoke of Hashem, uh, total commitment, modani, however, the idea of that's how you're supposed to start each day as per Tanya, the end of chapter 25, that the only way to serve Hashem is to start each day and then at night to say Shema, which reminds us of the fact that our connection to Hashem is without question. 
because that's the foundation of our relationship. But then beyond that, for the rest of the day, you can let the other system kick in and serve Hashem in a quote natural way through your uh, regular calculated service. Comes along the Rebbe and says, let's analyze. We just came up with three columns. The Rebbe says there's three types of Jews, there's three types of circumstances, not one, not two, but three. There is an approach on the left column. A person is serving Hashem. He has that miracle in the morning. And the rest of the day, he's serving Hashem in a natural way, as we just described, which is similar to the idea of one miracle per day. The rest is natural, like the oil of Elisha. Or if you take the Hanukkah approach in that direction. One miracle a day. It's one miracle. The rest of the day is natural. It's not ongoing, like the frogs. That, that is appropriate when a person is living without struggle. Be it the person himself is a tzaddik, they don't have a yetzahara that's getting in their way, and they're not living in dark times, they're living in holy times, maybe there's divine revelation, maybe it's based on English, I don't know. There isn't obstacles, there isn't a lot of questions and a lot of problems from within or from without or both. So obviously you're a yid, so your foundation of your service is the, quote, miracle, the malchus shemayim. But then the rest of the day, you, you don't have to jump out of your skin and just be tough to keep fighting the good fight. There's nothing to fight about you. You follow the program. It makes perfect sense. You're there. Then there comes the middle column, you know, when things are not so perfect. And the person, I don't know, the Rebbe doesn't say it explicitly. Maybe this is like a bane and he's in the middle. He doesn't struggle with so much darkness but he's not totally removed from darkness. The person struggles a little bit, but you can't say the person is, is filled with darkness. The times, they are struggling times, but you can't call it dark times. It's not the dark moments of Gullus. Maybe it's the lighter moments of Gullus. I don't know if this is clear from the Sikha, but that's like a middle space. And certainly at this within the person. So here, here what you need to do is here you need the middle column which namely, there is a, it's one miracle, but it's felt continuously all day. Translate that in Avodah. Every day you start with Yisrael, you invoke, you evoke the miracle within the neshama, the, the, the essence, part of you that is that is a infinite. The rest of the day you act like a normal person, you serve Hashem at but you feel that miracle because you have to have a different quality of your service to survive the challenge. Because there is some challenge. But you don't have to have a constant miracle every second. It's one miracle, but it's felt exactly like the middle column. It's a perfect application of the miracle of the matriarchs, where there was one miracle each week, but the miracle was felt a whole week. It wasn't ongoing. It was felt though a whole week. Similarly here, this person, this middle level person, this middle level struggle requires sort of that middle level of miracle. Then the Rebbe says, if a person is in a place of darkness, he's not a tzaddik, he's not a bainan, it's a person who has a healthy yetzahad, and or he's living in a time of gullus when the gullus is dark. Which clearly we could say to our times. And there's confusion and challenges all the time. From without and from within. Here Tata says, here Tata says, take the example of the Hanukkah lights and, and, and live with your miracle constantly. 
really all day long, remember the Mesidus Nefesh, all day long evoke the Kabbalah, say, that's the only way you're going to do it. Because you're constantly fighting an uphill battle. It's the darkest time. You need the most light. And what kind of light? A light that's constant. I think in practical terms, what the Rebbe means is that the, the Rebbe, if you look at the Rebbe's Hayros that he gave for our generation, is that we should, even though we should find all kinds of inspirations, but our main attitude to Yiddishkeit should be Kabbalah Sail. This is what's the right thing to do. Hashem said so, the Rebbe said so, we do it. And it's not an attitude once a day. That's our attitude to everything that we do. The Rebbe further wants that. We should have a Gishmak in that attitude and we should enjoy it. But, but generally, this is the Rebbe's approach. That we should always be in a space of, quote, inner miracle, in a space of Kabbalah Sail. Why am I doing A? Because Hashem said so. Why am I doing B? Because Hashem said so. And that's true all day long. I should never trust myself and what I think is right based on my gishmak. Doesn't mean I shouldn't develop a gishmak. And I shouldn't come to a place where I enjoy it, but I never rely on that. Not just at 7 o'clock in the morning when I start my day, but the whole day long, every single choice that I make, every moment, the foundation is of that moment. I'm going to do what I need to do. What the Rebbe says, what the Ebishter says, no questions asked. It's a neshama thing. It's a place of Kabbalah sale. It's a miracle that's constant. And the Rebbe says that we are capable of having that because we're in the darkest space. This goes back to the fact that Hanukkah was in a dark time. It's a miracle that brings out the number eight, as explained in Hasidus, because it came in a very dark moment, and therefore it's a light that, that illuminates the darkness and a light that illuminates the gullus. Because, why? Because the Yidden were in such a dark space, they brought out their inner Mesidus Nefesh. And suddenly they were able to touch the Yechida, the essence. And the essence is the space that's beyond infinite. It's not limited. It's not even measured to infinity. It's completely without stop. It cannot be stopped. And with, as we said before, it's the combination of nature and miracle. That within every single moment of every day, he's living a natural life. He's davening and he's learning and he's going to work. It's totally natural. Within that space, he's acting in a way of Kabbalah Sale, as if it's Rosh Hashanah, as if it's Maidani all over again. Because it's a combination of nature and miracle. Because that idea of combining nature and miracle, as per the example of the Odin, space, not taking up space, is an expression of Atmos, of Hashem's essence, which is beyond finite and beyond infinity. Hashem's finitude comes from the limited light. Memale, the limited light of Hashem. Hashem's miracle comes from Savior, the infinite light. But the miracle of the Aron, which is a combo of miracle and nature, that doesn't come from this light or that light. It comes from Hashem himself. And similarly, within a Yid, he has the ability for the limited service and the limitless service. And then he has the ability for the combination that every single moment of every day, it's as if it's Rosh Hashanah. It's as if he's saying Krishna. He's ready like a soldier with Kabbalah. So how could you combine that with normal living? That's, that's Shema Yisrael living. And the answer is because that comes from a place in the person it's not his limited self, which is not nefesh ruach and neshama, the lower levels of the neshama. It's not it's not chaya, which is the infinite level of the soul. It's the essence of the soul. From that place, the entire person is infused with its connection to Hashem. And it makes no difference if he's dying al-Kiddush Hashem or if he's doing a small mitzvah or everything in between. The whole person is infused. 
Yechida has no limitation. It's not something that is shedding its light somewhere. It is completely part and parcel of every single part of the person, every part of its behavior. And therefore, the miracle is felt in his behavior every single moment, even in its natural flow of things. And this is, I believe, clearly what the Rebbe asked of us in plain language, that we should live finite lives and do Tere Mitzvahs and not... The Rebbe said the first days of his Nasiyas, Nishkrich and Himmel, you don't have to climb up to the sky. But all of these day-to-day things and commitments that the Rebbe asked of us, of learning Chitas and Rambam and Mifzoyim and all these limited things should all be done with the commitment of a soldier. With the commitment of Kabbalah, the commitment that reflects a place in us that has no stoppage. Nothing can block it because it's completely connected to our true core. The Rebbe finishes this by saying that this is why Hanukkah, this further explains why Hanukkah is related to Yutas Kislev. It's explained often that this is the month of Primius HaTeda, and that's why Hanukkah is oil. Yutas Kislev is the oil of Teda. So the Rebbe very briefly alludes to it and discusses in the footnotes briefly a concept that's explained at great length in the Sikha of Yutas Kislev in volume 5. But it's referenced here, and it's the same point. It's just briefly covered. And that is in that sikha the Rebbe brings down for the Rebbe Rashab. Now, Yutas Kislev is going to be a constant yantif. It's a very strange language. It echoes Pesach. It says that Pesach is a constant yantif. That's why Hasidim don't say the language Hasal said the Pesach. The Pesach said it never ends. It's constant. What does that mean? We don't say that about Shavuos and about Sukkot and about all the Yom Tevim. What does it mean? It's something you could say it happens every year. But the language is it's constant. We say it only about Pesach and Yutus Kislev. So very briefly, the Rebbe explains there that Pesach represents a contradiction in terms. Just like the blood water, the natural oil, but it doesn't get consumed. And Yutas Kislev represents a contradiction in terms, not something that can happen in one shot and just continue. No, it's a constant because it's a contradiction. The pace of contradiction is how could there be a human nation that's eternal and that has a connection to, to Hashem, to infinity? It doesn't make sense. Either you should be an angelic nation that's beyond nature and you connect to Hashem, or you're part of nature and like everything in nature, you have a beginning and you have an end, Chas and yet Hashem created by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, by Pesach, a nation that they're forever free, they're forever beyond the limitation of nature, and therefore they're connected to Teda and Mitzvah, all these infinite things, and even as they're a regular normal nation, seemingly, and they're untouchable. It's a constant miracle. Says the Rebbe, that is echoed by Yutas Kislev, and in the language of the Rebbe Rashab, it's a Mayitmidi. It's not just an ongoing holiday. That's not what it means that the holiday will not go away. Mayat Midi means it's a constant holiday. Every minute is Yutas Kislev. Because what is the message of Yutas Kislev? The message of is Chabad. Chabad means the mind is going to understand the Lukus. That's a contradiction in terms. That's exactly like the space of the arrow not taking up space. The oil burning, but it's not burning. The bush is burning, but it's not consuming. It's water and it's blood. This is coming only from the essence of Hashem, and that's what Chassidus is, Gili HaYechida of Torah. It's the essence of Torah, which is a reflection of the absolute essence of Hashem, and it's not finite, and it's equally not limited to the infinite. It's just beyond. It's everywhere and everything. 
That's why Torah Chassidus is called the oil of Torah that permeates every single part of everything, becomes the essence of everything. And therefore, what is Chassidus? That a human being with their own limited, tiny, little mind can, so to speak, understand the Lakus, which that itself makes absolutely no sense without the Mesiris Nefesh of the Rabbeim to bring out that level in Teda, that essence in Teda, and that essence of the Yid, and the essence of Hashem, and therefore... And therefore, it, it it is it brings it together, and therefore, it's a constant miracle. It's not like the frogs; you can't just make it happen and then last. It's a constant contradiction. Every moment that a yid learns a word of chassidus and understands it and lives by it, etc., he or she is a contradiction. You're living in Elam Hazi, you're using your mind, you're chabadnik, and you're learning things. That say that the world is is nothing, and you're understanding them. It's a miracle of Dal of Yutes Kislev. And it's an ongoing miracle. And it's a gift of the Rabbeim, and it's similar to the miracle of Hanukkah, and the miracle of the survival of the Jewish people.